0: Maybe some centuries back, one change of clothes and one bowl of rice was enough, but today, uh, people may feel that it's necessary to have 12 changes
1: of clothes and, you know, some meat with the rice. Hi, I'm Clémentine Van Effonter. I'm an assistant professor of economics at the University of Toronto, and this is Inequality Talks. F. colson sira is an assistant professor and teaches in the Economics Department and in the Philosophy, Economics and Political Science program at Hebrew University. She's interested in studying consumer behaviors with a perspective from development economics and cultural economics. She spoke to me about the research she conducted with Clément Bellet on the way inequality affects our perception of needs. Thank you very much, Yves, for being here today with me and to talk about your research. Welcome. Thanks Thanks so much, Clémentine, for inviting me here. So I wanted to ask you to talk about your work on inequality and consumption, which are two key questions in economics. But before we get started, I wanted to ask you, could you tell us why, in theory, inequality should affect consumption?
0: So they are actually uh two ways in which inequality may affect consumption. And one of them is is often uh, very intuitive to people. Um, When you have inequality rising in a place, you have a change in the supply environment, in the types of goods that are being proposed. Uh, Think of it as, you know, if a neighborhood of your city is uh, gentrifying uh, and richer people are gonna come in, uh, you may have some coffee shops opening or sometimes food groceries opening that are uh, fitting the taste of these people. And so the poorer people in this neighbourhood are going to face that new supply environment um, and and hence they may be affected by, by uh, inequality in, in uh, what is proposed to them to buy in their consumption items that, that they can find in their neighbourhood. But uh, in this paper, we are interested in a second way in which inequality may affect um, what people consume. This way is actually uh, a way that has a long tradition in economics you may read some sentences about it in even the writings of Adam Smith, but Torsten Veblen is the one that really developed that understanding that consumption is actually social and, and hence what people feel they need, what people feel is necessary to them is also depending on the social context. So maybe some centuries back, one change of clothes and one bowl of rice was enough, but today uh, people may feel that it's necessary to have 12 changes of clothes and, you know, some meat with the rice. Now. It also may occur that if you have richer neighborhoods, the way you perceive what you need, the way you perceive uh, necessities and luxuries may change according to their consumption habit, And hence, you may want to consume certain items that are luxuries just because you feel that this is important for you to be socially included or respected in that neighborhood or in this society. Um, Now, you may have heard people um, shaming or blaming the consumption pattern of poor households sometimes, saying, you know, why do they buy this expensive iPhone or this expensive TV set when they can't even afford proper food for their children? And these are discussions I've heard, not just in developing countries, I've heard that in France, in the US. Uh, The way I'm trying to think about it is not just about them making a choice that is, you know, in a way irrational, but the way I think about it is that they do have some social needs to be respected. And, and hence they would spend on things that you know everybody wants, everybody feels it's necessary. And so why shouldn't they, if everybody thinks this is necessary? But the issue here, and this is why people often shame these types of choices, is that you have a trade-off. If you feel certain goods are necessary and you spend more on them, you're gonna spend less on other goods. And this is what this project is about. If inequality does change perceived needs, uh, we are interested in understanding in which direction, for which type of needs, And at the same time, we want to know what is a consumption trade-off here? What do they spend more on and what do they spend less on? So the way we started to answer this question about how inequality affects preferences is we went back to the uh, demand theory on what is a necessity and what is a luxury. Uh, so you may be aware that in demand theory, uh, since Engel, so, so it's it's been a, now a long time, you have this category of goods, s- some of them categorized as necessities, some of them are luxuries. What it means is that necessities are goods whose income elasticity is below one, which is that when your income rises, you spend less and less on these goods. And luxuries are goods uh, that you spend more and more on them when your income uh, rises. And so um although we have very complex tools to capture these uh, income elasticities and to categorize these goods there's not much empirical evidence on what actually is a necessity and a luxury why you know why are income elasticities the way they are what explains this and so basically what we do in our work is that we want to explain how income elasticities may change um, depending on the level of inequality basically does inequality change uh, income elasticity, does it change the way people perceive necessities and luxuries?
1: So we can easily imagine that uh, social status and luxury goods are something that are relevant in many different contexts, like it matters in, in whether you live in Europe, or whether you live in the US and so on. And one original point of your study is that you actually focus on India. And I wanted to ask you about what are the key characteristics of this context that make this relationship between inequality and consumption particularly interesting?
0: So they are actually um, it, it, two very interesting features of the Indian context that makes uh, our study quite uh, uh, fitted to this, uh, to this uh, particular environment. The first one is that India, as many other countries, uh, has uh, with inequality that has risen a lot in the past. 20 to 30 years. Uh, In fact, it has risen a lot since the economic reforms uh, that happened in the 1990s. Um, And so you could see that the top 10 uh, percent income share went from, you know, something like 35 percent of the national income to above 50 percent in this period. So you have a very stricken rise of inequalities. At the same time, India has still uh, a very large number of people that are uh, with malnutrition. And what is uh, puzzling? is that this number uh, is still very high and the, the calorie consumption per person hasn't increased with the development of India in the last 20, 30 years. It actually has declined. It's actually called the Indian calorie puzzle by researchers. So we both have a context in which we have high inequality that is rising and malnutrition. And the question is, are these two factors somehow connected? Can we connect them? Can we think of a way in which poor people consume differently because of this rising inequality and that may lead them to be more malnourished.
1: So one specific challenge we can easily understand if you want to study whether individuals consume differently in a more unequal society is the fact that you need to access data on their consumption patterns. So could you tell us about the data you are using and what are the specificities of these surveys to conduct your study?
0: So we use expenditure surveys which are called in the Indian context National Sample Surveys and these are expenditure surveys that record the expenditure and quantity for every household of over 150 items. So it's a very extensive survey um, and it's a survey that happens every five years or so in India. The interesting part of this is although it's very common to have such surveys in other countries, especially developed countries, it's very hard to have representative share of poor households. And when we are interested about needs, about how people perceive their own needs, their necessities, we want to have a representative share of very poor households. In these Indian surveys, you have about 30% of the households surveyed that are qualified as below poverty line households. And so we really know how they consume, uh, how they spend, their expenditure, um, and so we can really look at what they consider uh, necessary. In fact, when Engel studied consumption one and a half centuries back, he also started looking at very poor households in the UK context. And so, in a way, it's trying to having the same process of research, but in a in a modern context, which now is India.
1: La minute technique. So in this podcast researchers take about one minute to explain one technical aspect of their research and I wanted to ask you if you could give us the basic intuitions behind what's called the BARTIC instrument and specifically why it is useful to address the threat of reverse causality that you may be facing in your context. Yeah, actually
0: inequality is kind of a tricky concept for people studying the consequences of it, how it affects some outcome variables, because inequality is highly correlated with other local characteristics. And so it's really a threat to identification. In our context in particular, we have two big concerns. One of them is what you said, reverse causation, which is that, to give you an example, in places where you have high inequality. Today, you could totally think that poor people in these places may have a specific taste for luxury products and that may cause them to be poorer in the long term because they don't invest in things that would make their income higher. And hence, you'd have a rise in inequality, but it's not because of inequality per se, it's because of the preferences of these poor households to begin with. that's one of the concerns. The second concern um, with inequality often is omitted variable bias. You could totally think of a factor which both increases income in the top income and and also affects the consumption patterns of the poorer households. For example, you could think of advertising for certain luxury products in a specific place. And so to account for this, we would like to have a type of a plausibly exogenous shock to inequality. And so this is why we turn towards the Bargeek instrument, which is a shift share instrument. It's been used in immigration and uh, labor economics so far. And here we apply it in our context. Basically the intuition here is that you use local historical features and you combine this with national growth. In our case, we look at the occupational distribution in the district. Uh, which is a small unit within the state in India for example maybe in your district in the 80s you have a high share of engineers okay now in the 80s being an engineer may not be a very good thing or at least your wage may not be that high but after the economic reforms in the 90s you may have at the national level a growth in the wage of engineers everywhere and so poor people living in the district where you have a high share of engineers to begin with will face higher inequality 20 years down the line. And so this is what we're using here. So this is plausibly a shock, which is not related to local characteristics. And this is how we managed to get away from these uh, reverse causation and omitted variable bias.
1: So when you implement this uh, strategy, like looking at an aggregate uh, shock that disseminates differently at the local level, what are your main conclusions in terms of the patterns of consumption in response to an increase in inequality?
0: So we have two main results. These two main results are actually based on the demand system that we evaluate to really take out the supply side effect of inequality from the preference side, as I mentioned these two factors before. The first one is that we look at goods whose income elasticity decreases with inequality. What it means is that they become relatively more necessary when inequality increases. And so we name these goods relative necessities. And so what we see is that these goods, basically in line with our intuition, these goods are typically luxury goods. So it does seem that inequality drives luxury goods locally to to be perceived as more necessary. And these luxury goods are things that are often consumed in social settings, social gatherings, or they are goods that uh, give some instant gratification. So We find that sweets, for example, and processed foods and drinks are typical relative necessities. We also find that goods that are typically associated with conspicuous consumption, like clothing, are also relative necessities. So that's the first set of results is to identify these goods and how inequality affects their income elasticity. The other set of results is about the substitution pattern that I I mentioned. So what we see is that when inequality increases, households shift their demand towards relative necessities and away from, in our data, necessary and very nutritious products such as cereals and vegetables. And in fact, this is producing a substantial calorie cost for the households. So on average, per day and per person, that that amounts to approximately one portion of cooked rice. That's quite huge, especially given the fact that all of these below poverty line households are actually already malnourished. So that's a big loss for them. And we find out that if they would consume these foregone calories, there would be 20 percentage point less malnourished households in these below poverty line households in India.
1: Imagine that uh, these changes will have important implications for these poor households. And I wanted to ask you about how do you think these results would affect the way we think about economic models in general and about policies in this context in particular?
0: So I think generally, I would really like to see much more research on consumer behavior And I think that aside from inequality, understanding really how people behave and what determines their preferences would be super important to have adequate taxation policies or adequate poverty relief policies. And so I think this is something very important to understand that consumption is also social and that these decisions are not irrational, but are really depending on the context. In particular, for for the setting of poverty, in India, or I think everywhere else. Having poverty alleviation programs that take into account the effect of inequality, I think, would help make these programs more relevant in the sense that they would take into account some of that consumption or some of this help going towards such goods. And I hope also that it would affect the way people perceive the consumption of the poor in in the sense that they would not perceive it as a mistake or something that the poor shouldn't do, but they would perceive it uh, in a general context as driven by inequality and driven by their own self-respect in in some ways. The other line of research that I think could uh, come up from this type of work is, I think, with the pandemic going on and with different crises, a lot of people are asking again, what is a necessity? What do we need? And typically these types of models and these types of analysis of income elasticities could help answer these questions in our context.
1: So before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you if you could share with us a recommendation or of a book or a movie or anything that inspired you and interested you and you would like to share.
0: So, there are uh, two books that really inspired me in this research. The first one is The Consumer Society from Jean Baudrillard, who is a French sociologist that really linked consumption to social context in general, but especially to inequality in particular. And so I think this is a a very inspiring book for understanding consumer behavior. The other one is uh, the one of Thorstein Veblen, the classic book, which is called The Theory of the Leisure Class, which again, I think very interestingly links consumption to social context, but also, and I I like that about this book, links it to a kind of evolutionary pattern of, you know, why do people need to consume conspicuous goods and and he links it to evolution of human beings and how consumption has been so important for our social survival but aside from these two recommendations i would like to say that what inspired me the most to pursue this line of research is to go on the field and meet poorer households and discuss and meet social workers and discuss with them and understand better both in France and in India in particular, understand better the motivations of these people and, uh, you know, what they want and need. I think that's very precious for researchers to understand that directly.
1: Thank you so much, Yves, for these insights and for this conversation. Thanks to you, Clémentine. This was Inequality Talks, a podcast recorded by Clémentine Van Fonter in Toronto. Music is by The Count. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.